that Adam and Eve were cast out of the Garden of Eden. For if they hadn't left, their children would have burnt it to the ground. It was one of those events, the one that comes along every half century or so, where the hope of one person single-handedly sets humanity on a new course. As always, many different tides of history and acts of providence must converge for such moments to exist. But don't let that diminish how you perceive the significance of the individual at that point of convergence. Machines don't bleed, but people certainly do. She was covered from her fingertips to her elbows in the crimson lifeblood of those who trusted her leadership and followed her into the mouth of hell. 397 dead on the fourth vessel. They did not know one of the demons had forced its way into the arteries of the ship. By the time the crew saw the mangled corpses of their friends, it was too late to stop it. It tore out the ship's heart and offered it as a sacrifice to the void. No one could have been rescued, even if there had been more time to respond. Each of the other three ships had already been filled well past capacity. Each of the other ships already didn't have enough air for those they carried. Their final message, sent on the fumes of the fuel of the backup generators, read, Watch with us, and remember us. Out of respect for those who would soon be dead, their friends kept their telescopes pointing at the forsaken vessel as it fell behind up until the Void Caller claimed their lives. The survivors gave them a final salute, which lasted 397 seconds, one for every person who was lost. 82 killed in the shadow of the ringed Leviathan. The gate, the station that controlled it, and the scattered debris from century-old wars bore silent witness to their deaths. The arrival of the three small ships had awoken a portion of the horror that lurked near the abandoned station. To commemorate the presence of these tiny humans, it lit the darkness with lumbering missiles and rounds from malfunctioning railguns. But even old weapons still claim lives. Each hole it punched in the three small ships let the precious air out and allowed the emptiness to sweep in. 27 lost during the boarding of the gate station. The emaciated warden that had stood watch for centuries was the least that the Lord of the Origin System had to offer. The desperate humans paid for every meter they traversed with their own blood. Their leader stood, bent over the console, surrounded by the pieces of the monster that threatened to destroy all of her suffering survivors. The faces of the 506 that had been lost under her command crowded around her as she worked the keys. The logs of the spook communication system painted strange pictures for the captain. Thousands of failed contact attempts between this now-liberated station and its pair in Kepler-62, or Hypatia, as the readout would have displayed. Video calls rejected, voice messages ignored, data transfer requests declined. But in the sea of no's, there was a pattern of simple yeses. Once a year, for the last 300 years, there had been successful text-based communications with the people of Hypatia. So. Hope lived on. The descendants of the Ark Lyravea survived. Somebody nearly a thousand light years away had kept the door cracked open for centuries. 
For what purpose? She couldn't know. But whoever was on the other end of this gate was wise enough not to trust the body of a dead god that tapped at their window. But they were certainly foolish enough to keep the shutters cracked open. Today, that foolishness would find its culmination for the betterment of those desperate survivors, for the destruction of those who answered their call. She prayed to whatever may be listening that her people would find these strangers acceptable. She held the future in her hands. The past threatened to consume her. The present was so dark, it was nearly unbearable. The United Nations is proud to announce the formation of the Gate Network Administration. The GNA will take humanity to distant solar systems. Needs hundreds of thousands of volunteers to board the ARCs. The bravest pioneers our little system can muster. The Celestial Horizons program features new wormhole technology that allows us to cross the vast emptiness between solar systems in the blink of an eye. Enter cryostasis. Take a nap for a century while the Ark travels the rest of the way. To awaken on the other side and build a gate to take us home. A vast interstellar network of wormholes, connecting humanity as it spans the distant reaches of our galaxy. Twelve planned missions, twelve new worlds, twelve opportunities. The Hypatia mission. Destination Kepler-62. Departure date, February 1st. The utmost confidence that the wormhole will function as intended. We're reporting unexpected difficulties on the Arc Lyravea. Reporting critical system damage. Mission control. We have lost our reserve cryostasis fluid. None of our emergency teams can go back to sleep. Generations on the Ark. Hundreds of new people by the time the rest can be woken up to build the Mission camp. control. Do you read? Guided by the mission charter, they establish a temporary government and their own branch of the Gate Network Administration. Mission Control, do you read? Establish themselves as Hypatians first and Terrans second. Come in. Mission Control. Distant colonies, isolated from each other with no way to communicate. Mission Control, please respond. Is projected to return to Earth in October of 2481. 2509. 2619. 2720. We don't know what's out there. Alone for three centuries. No contact with mission control. Only occasional responses from an unidentified entity through the communication system. Whatever it is, it's certainly hostile. Please. Anybody. We don't know how long she took to compose it or if any of her officers were there to advise her. She settled on sending this simple message. This cry for help. This note in a bottle. A text-only transmission, like the ones that had gone through every year before. A most pivotal communication. A blood-stained invitation to return to a desolate Eden. Ooh. The remnant of the Ark Laravea, the Hypatia mission, the Celestial Horizons program, and humankind in Kepler 62. From Captain Isra Conzio, commander of the FCH Bainsbar and leader of the survivors of the Third Fleet of Cyprian, children of the Ark Simodis, the Cyprian mission, the Celestial Horizons program, and humankind in the system LHS 1140. We have liberated this communication system and part of the station on which it resides from the entity who previously controlled it. 
We know that for centuries you have ignored its attempts at communication. We presume this is because you knew that answering those requests would mean your own destruction. This is true. But we are not it, nor are we allied with it. We are human. Centuries ago, your and our ancestors left Earth and the origin system aboard Arcs. We presume that you lost contact with mission control nearly 300 years ago, as we did and have been isolated in your corner of the Milky Way. We contact you today in hopes of ending that isolation. We wish to make you an offer. I have among my people the personnel necessary to operate the gate station from this side. If you are capable and your gate control station is intact, we can bring you here, back to Earth. You will find that they have technologies and wonders beyond your imagination. Even the technology they use to put you to sleep and construct your arcs pales compared to the advancements that have occurred in the last three and a half centuries you have been gone. My people are of Cyprian, the Celestial Horizons mission that left ten years before yours was scheduled and lost contact with Earth in 2455. But fortune smiled upon us and we were offered a chance to return. When we did so, we found that this system was desolate. The civilization of our ancestors has been obliterated and now those that stop the voices dominate its ruins. Their goals are unknown, and their logic incomprehensible, but in every encounter, they attempt to eradicate us with demonic zeal. We have been here now for several decades, cautiously trying to ascertain what happened while we were away. The third fleet of Cyprian once controlled the gate that connected the origin system to our colony. But a few months ago, a single vessel, the likes of which we had never previously encountered, ambushed us. Only three ships now survive. Unless we can successfully defeat it and reclaim our gate station, we will be forever cut off from our people, and they will never be able to return to Earth. In exchange for working with you to open your gate and bring you back to Earth, we ask that you send your warships to help us reclaim ours. We hope you are in a position to respond to this our cry for help. Please respond quickly. The entity which has spoken with you for generations now knows what we do. In four months, their ships will arrive at this gate and we will be forced to abandon it, perhaps forever. I know that you cannot trust what you read, what you hear or what you see, but I will do anything you ask to prove that I am a human like you and not merely another attempt by those that stalk the void to gain your confidences and bring you to ruin. For the sake of all of my people, I beg you to respond quickly. Four minutes later, the communication manager of the Hypatian Gate Network Station, 1,000 light years away, woke direct to Natalie Zane of the Hypatian Gate Network Administration. 45 minutes later, all of the executive staff were in the spook communications array, composing a response. Two hours passed and the new executive officers of the Council of Hypatia were brought on an emergency conference call. 40 hours after that, the decision was made. The Hypatians would be returning to Earth. The age of silence had ended. 50 hours after the message was first received, 
the order was given to start preparing the quarantine bay. The time had come to awaken their founding legend. The man who had slept for these last three and a half centuries, the only one among them with memories of Earth. His coffin had been made a shrine, his wife an object of veneration, his life a symbol of everything the Hypatians hoped to be. All while he slept, his own dreams frozen in time. He was the last of the original crew members of the mission, uniquely qualified to help open the gate, still cryogenically frozen by misfortune and chance. The order was given to awaken Thomas Saberhagen. Understand a history and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. There are many interpretations of these events, and this is ours. This history is to be interrogated, but treated charitably, for it comes to us in pieces after it has passed through many hands with many motives. This account has been assembled from ship logs, personal journals, ledgers, news broadcasts, and classified mission reports. Their authors are just as biased and fallible as we are. This history is to be experienced. If you're not past feeling, then feel these things. This is our history. This is our heritage. These are our sins. From the psychiatrist. He has not yet been rendered senseless. A lesser person would be entirely overwhelmed by the weight of this sudden awakening, the loss of his entire world, both internal and external. But I fear that it will come. Sooner or later, the full weight of it will come. We must keep a close eye on him. Our challenge in examining these first days of his new life will be in parsing through the propaganda to find the truth. His contemporaries saw him as a myth, a tool, and a threat. To some, he was to receive more veneration than their own kings. To others, he was the most offensive of obstacles. As such, understand that no documents, even those that originate from him directly, are without motive and perspective of their own, even the ones that are just collections of numbers in a spreadsheet. How tragic that the more prominent a figure is, the more difficult it becomes to see them clearly. His second birth, as it was called by the sages that dwelt in his shadow, was similar to his first. A team of doctors, a crowded room of blinking monitors and readouts, the removal of a tube. But where his first birth took him from the warmth of a womb, his second birth took him from the cold of a cryopod. His first mother was a mortal woman, 28 years old, who loved him more than, well, she wanted to. His second mother was an immortal machine, 359 years old, 
who had only spared his life by chance. Judging by the GNA's records, Saberhagen was the last they tried to unfreeze, and the only one who came out more or less as he went in. Four of the others had died sometime during the last 250 years due to their cryopods failing. Five didn't register any neurological activity when the unfreezing process was complete. Four suffered various degrees of what are described as adverse side effects, which means some combination of significant brain damage, paralysis, and organ failure. One was brought about out of cryosleep successfully, but something in them snapped, and they had to be completely institutionalized for the rest of their short life. The 15th and final member of the GNA Hypation Gate Operations Team, Thomas Saberhagen, was the only one to safely come out of cryostasis and maintain control of his faculties. It makes sense that they'd attempt to wake Thomas last. Nobody had been unfrozen in over 250 years, so there was not a single doctor in the system who had any practical experience draining the cryojuice from a cryopod and nursing the person it contained back to health. Thomas would have been last, so the doctors could get as much practice as possible. You didn't want to be the person who lost the husband of your national hero. So he was born again into the light of a new sun. His face is neutral as he stares into the camera. His gaze swaps between the lens and the floor. The file begins with seven minutes and 42 seconds of utter silence, except for the hum of the atmospheric control systems. He doesn't know that his wife stared in much the exact same way 350 years ago. Finally, he begins to speak. February 25th. It's 2722 from what they tell me. This is... This is Thomas Saberhagen. Born 2334. Uh, the people are very nice. Dr. Shannon and the others explained to me what happened. Another wormhole crisis. Another one. We lost our cryojuice. Hollis was working up to fix it all. But nobody could go back to sleep when it was all done. Except for nine people. Nine could. But Hollis volunteered to stay awake. Yeah, they were very nice. Told me how she saved the mission many times over. Kept the ship together, literally and mentally. Told me all about the statues and the parks and the memorials. About how the gate couldn't be opened. They didn't go home. We didn't get back home. Well, not yet. Pulled lots of things from storage trying to make me comfortable. They say that people are excited to meet me. An instant celebrity, isn't that crazy? Go to sleep as the guy whose dad gets 100,000 people killed. Wake up as the husband of the savior of the mission. That's what they call me. All they talk about is Hollis. Tell me all about her as if they knew her. They go in and want me to make more appearances. Interviews, TV spots, speeches, the whole batch. Maybe even more than last time. I asked them why we didn't go home a couple of times. Nobody really knows. They say, technical problems over and over again. And then they say, but we're going home now. I just think this whole thing is riking hilarious. Well, hello Hypatia. You're all grown up. I'm excited to get to know you though. I was there when we decided to call you Hypatia. And now you're home, I guess. Now you have almost 18 million people 
Congratulations. I'm sorry I missed the last 257 birthdays. I'm sorry you were so alone. But it sounds like we're going to complete the mission here soon. This didn't need to all fall on you. We'll make it right. Don't you worry. Alexandria Quill, March 3rd, 22. The rest of GNA intelligence still hasn't found anything about the Renegade Commissioners, and I'm disappointed by how unsurprised I am. Am I the only one that's still trying to get all four of them and their friends? Nothing's going to change otherwise. They'll keep pulling their secret stunts, we're just going to keep wallowing in their influence, and they're going to have gotten away with every atrocity in the logs. Before the shakeup, I thought that the intelligence division was capable. Extensive. <laughs> they caught me, after all. But no, they're just as inept as everybody else. If not more so. <laughs> I guess they were lucky on my case. Or maybe the smart ones all got out last year. <laughs> uh, and at the top of it all, Director Zane, insisting all agents focus our efforts on Saberhagen and the would-be Von Dariel assassins. <laughs> it's a waste of time. The hottest trails will always have the most active resistance after a hit. But no, Zane needs something to show the guard to convince them not to gut the rest of us, blah, blah, blah. So they put me as Saberhagen's handler. Say it's a promotion. <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. They're just trying to make sure I don't upset anyone they're trying to seduce. <laughs> Blast this. Blast them. The assassins have to come from the commissioners. I'm sure of it. They're petty enough to want personal revenge, even if it only would be a favor to Duval. <sighs> but what do I spend my days doing? Running security checks on the appearance deals PR is brokering. Ugh, organizational politics. And I have to worry about Saberhagen. We've got him under maximum security and minimum visibility, but it means the poor guy has to be almost entirely isolated. Full security checks for even his regular doctors. Dr. Shannon questions at every blasted time I have to talk to him. So I finally just broke protocol last time to tell him about the most recent attempt on Von Dariel. Five conspirators aboard a Hypatian guard vessel. Not to mention however many collaborators got them there. Space security footage, alibis for the whole crew. <laughs> if the commissioners can still get their claws into a guard ship, Saberhagen has definitely already leaked to anyone who hasn't already guessed that he's awake. I guarantee you that somebody is plotting to use him against us. We can't take any chances. But the doctors say he's got what it takes to do our little song and dance, provided he doesn't completely fall apart before then. We can rally public support around the husband of the hero of Hypatia, have a couple of high-velocity interviews, build up goodwill, and then have him pointed at the expedition. National figure in favor of the national event. <laughs> Huzzah. I'm no politician, but if Duval wants her little council of Hypatia to actually stick, then she's right about Saberhagen being the key to doing that. Hope he learns to dance quick. He requested his violin be brought to him from his personal belongings, but was told that they had been lost during the transit almost 300 years ago. A new one was printed for him. 
his fingers bruised from hours of working on the strings. Six weeks left of quarantine. He spends most of his time sitting silently at the table, flipping through images of Hypatia and headlines from the various planets and stations. Three weeks left of quarantine. He reads an e-book on the history of Hypatia. He scrolls through Junebug, a Hypatian classic novel about a swashbuckling marauder and his ragtag crew of misfits. He watched two full seasons of Zero Gravity Sports. One last week of quarantine. His fingers still fell clumsily on the strings, frustratingly so. Its faltering sound was the only music in the medical ward. From the director of the special medical team over Saberhagen. He hasn't really made any new friends here. Friendly he is, always, somehow still smiling. But he's not making any connections. If there's any way you can give him enough space to try and be normal, just for a while, it may make the difference for him. Otherwise, we may have to put him on suicide watch, and we can't afford that. Based on the recommendation of his doctors, Alexandria Quill, Thomas's primary gate network administration contact and handler with the GNA Intelligence Division, approved a month-long gap between the end of his quarantine and the public announcement about his presence. Let him see the system a little bit, adjust to modern life, get a feel for how society has changed while he's been asleep. Let him mentally prepare for what they need him to do. The GNA, under the most technical of interpretations, was the same organization he had signed many agreements with back before boarding the Ark, centuries before. They were technically in charge of the mission he was a part of. Now, they were his employer and they were paying his room, board, and medical expenses. The only difference, as far as his contracts were concerned, was in who held the position of director. And the director now, Natalia Zane, directed him to make some public appearances. We can guess that he wasn't thrilled about the deal, but he did agree to assist the GNA in the upcoming mission. The original arrangement was this. He would advise the gate operation team and check over their work to make sure the transit went as it should, and then make a few public appearances to help build confidence in the GNA and the mission they were about to undertake. In exchange, they'd grant him a stipend and set him up with a quiet place to live. He spent the tiny gap between the end of his quarantine and the day he had to report in for the gate expedition, traveling Hypatia, experiencing its culture, meeting some people and preparing for the wave of public appearances that was to follow. So, Thomas, how have you found Hypatia? I haven't seen too much of it. Spent a lot of time bouncing a ball against the door in quarantine, but all bits I have seen are beautiful. How are you feeling? I think I'm the healthiest 308-year-old we'll probably ever meet. And the doctors tell me I don't have any historic diseases to pass on, so don't worry, you're all saved. How do you feel hearing about the things your wife accomplished on the Ark Lyra Vea? I'm so proud of her. I was surprised at first. Hollis did not like attention, did not like being in charge of things. But then I realized it wasn't surprising, hearing about what she was able to do, about how she let out. She always had a strong sense of right and wrong and was willing to do what was right, even if it cost her. I miss her dearly, and I wish you all had the chance to get to know her, but I'm glad she could help save the mission. Can you give us any special insights into her actions on the Ark? I wasn't there. I don't know. 
None of us really do. Anybody who has seen her journals is just as good of a guess as me. The Hollis I knew just wanted some peace and quiet. Liked to laugh, hope for the best. The Hollis I saw in those journals was... Well... Have you seen the museum? I have, yes. And the parks, and the statues, and her picture on your Hypatian history textbooks. I saw the recent projection about her. The one where she was played by Lashara Hernandez, the 11th. Yeah, that one. She's talented. Did her homework, I could tell. It was weird seeing somebody playing me in a flashback sequence. At least they cast somebody good looking. It made me a little nervous to appear in public though, knowing that there are other Thomas Saberhagens around and all of them are a lot more muscular than I am. I'm just waiting for somebody to come up to me one day and say, eh, Chris Knowles did you better. How do you think Hollis would feel if she could see all of this now? I think she's glad we're completing the mission soon. I think she's happy to know that I can help with that. She knows what was important to me. And I think she's really embarrassed by all the attention you people give to her memory. How has the future been different than you expected? I guess I imagined the technology would be a bit more advanced than it is now. But that's what getting cut off from the rest of humanity would do to you. And I'm definitely not complaining about you keeping old things around. I mean, look at me. Need I say more? And I was surprised when I first talked to Alice. She's just like a person. Oh, she... you've talked to Alice, have you? Yes, out of the suggestion of one of the doctors during quarantine. Said that if anybody is capable of treating you like a totally normal guy, it's her. I was shocked to find out that she's not a real person. Oh, she is. Alice is more of a person than most of us around here. She's just one that gets to live in our devices. I bet. I bet. I guess I just never thought that I'd be real friends with an AI. We had laws against things like her back at Earth, but it looks like it has gone really well for you all out here. We all love Alice. Anything else surprise you? To be honest, my dad was a famous astrophysicist, so I spent most of my life hearing about him. Oh, any relation to William was the joke when people met me. But now, I mean, I was getting some papers figured out and the clerk said, oh, any relation to Hollis? Smiling, making a joke, I think. So I said, well, take a look at my first name again. And they laughed at first, and then they saw my birth date and the rest of the info on my file, and their face just dropped. And well, it made me appreciate the conversations I've been able to have with Alice. She's been great for helping me adjust. Have you met any other exciting people during your time out and about? I've met around 15,000 people, it feels like. There were a few members of the new Council of Hypatia. I met the great General, uh, General Duval. I've heard about your war hero vigilante person, the guy who liberated a hijacked military vessel all by himself? A rook? Ah, you mean Colonel Vassan Vandario. That's the one. Haven't met him myself, but if you knew Hypatian Guard has people like that around, then it's going to be a really successful organization. I think they'll handle this rescue mission really well. So what will you do now? Well, I've got to report to the gate station here soon. They're going to have me oversee the transit teams, check their math, practice with them. I told them I haven't dealt with any of that for 350 years. It's been a while, but they didn't think I was funny. Makes me wish I paid more attention during the training exercises. But don't tell them that. We're all nervous enough as it is. Hey, Thomas. It's Alice. I'm just pinging you to see how you're doing. I know you went to that museum yesterday, and, well, I can't imagine how hard that must have been. I just... I just wanted to see if you were okay. Let you know that I'm here to talk if you ever feel like talking. Or 
if you'd take a fancy to a distraction, I've been collecting a lot of info about Everest Station. And I have some ideas of places we could go to get your mind off of things. I've got some friends who can get us into some things for free. There's a half-G golf course, if that's your kind of thing. Or there are some clubs if you feel like meeting new people. Or we could book a screening or something. A spot on Ring Charlie has a historical buddy cop comedy slash romance film. Been getting great reviews. <laughs> the point is, I'm worried about you and want to make sure you're okay. And if you're not, that's okay too. If you'd fancy something to do, I can fetch us some tickets, or if you'd just fancy somebody to sit with you, well, my evenings are open. And don't worry if it all feels foreign and different and strange. We're going to make sure that you eventually get to see just how wonderful Hypatia is. We'll figure all of this out together. No worry, no rush. Let me know. Bye. This message was sent because Thomas had not engaged with Alice in over eight hours that day. That constitutes an automatic flag in her systems, especially given the Saberhagen's personal importance rating. His score matched even members of the new government of Hypatia. What she neglected to mention in this message is that she can get free tickets into these establishments because she owns 73% of the entertainment companies on Eberis Station. Entry, courtesy of Alice also means that there is no financial trail via Saberhagen's GNA-issued purchasing card. She wouldn't want them to know just how much she and Thomas were communicating. Thomas, however, did not leave his hotel and ordered room service on his card at the equivalent of 11.13pm, requesting a glass of milk and two pieces of peanut butter toast. The milk was refunded to the card when the order was delivered. Their liquid synthesis machine couldn't get the flavour correct, according to its own sensors. They sent some cranberry juice instead. Once his public tour had been completed, Thomas reported back to the Hypatian Gate Station, located all by itself halfway between the inner planets and the asteroid belt of the system. This was where his cryopod had been stored, where his quarantine had occurred. This was where the Hypatian Gate was controlled. He was to help prepare the teams responsible for opening the gate. The Hypatians here would coordinate with the Cyprians back at Earth, and the two sides would attempt to link their gates. If everything was done correctly, the gates would create a wormhole momentarily connecting both systems and allowing a handful of ships to bridge that thousand light year gap nearly instantaneously. Thomas not only was the only person in Hypatia to have traveled through such a wormhole before, but also had been in the control room during gate operations before he left Earth. It was odd that somebody so qualified had been the lowest-ranking member of the original gate technician team that had journeyed to Hypatia. Hey Liam, it's Quill, and oh do I have an update for you and your teams. <laughs> I just got out of a meeting with Director Zane of the GNA, and she just got out of a meeting with General Duval. Apparently, Duval called her up and said that she wants Thomas to go on the expedition. She heard that he's been underperforming with the gate op teams and decided he'd be more valuable as a PR move. First off, 
Gate-op teams are locked down and NDA'd into the next century, and no reporters have run anything about Saberhagen's underperformance, so we're pretty sure it's not just a leak. It's got to be an informant embedded on the team. <laughs> the performance issues are real. Saberhagen is, well, he's a smiling, anxious mess as soon as he gets into the control center. Zane confirmed to me that yeah, it's not going great up there, but they think they'll be okay without him now that he's passed on the operations codes. Anyway, yeah. Duval's got a credible inside source and leveraged it against Zane. And though she didn't say it directly, started referring to some of that GNA dirt I told you about. Basically, blackmail to put Saber Hagen on the mission. I mean, yeah, it's brilliant PR. The heroes of Hypatia, past and present, leading the way into the future and all that. And she wants Saberhagen on her ship, the heavy hand of Providence. So guess what that means? You're right, as his handler, the director is going to make me tell him. And I've got to go with him. Make sure that none of those blasted commissioners try to get a two-for-one deal and blow them both into the void in one op. Zane thinks Duval is taking him as protection, that they wouldn't target her if they risked Saberhagen. I mean, sure, he's more than willing to say whatever people tell him to say, and if the commissioners want back in, they'll need somebody like him to sway public opinion. So who knows? But it sounds like Saberhagen is going, whether he wants to or not, and I'll be going too, whether I want to or not. So, if you would be so kind as to help me cover my own butt and get your people looking into security on the heavy hand, I'd appreciate it. I now have a pile of VIPs to keep alive. Anywho, hope things are going well on Everest Station. Tell Meyer I said hi and that I think she's doing a great job and um, let me know if you get anything. Oh, I almost forgot. Zane doesn't want Duval to have everything she wants here. Saberhagen has to go, but if you can think of a reason why we should not put him on the heavy hand, let me know ASAP. Got it? Judging by Thomas's journal the next day, we can assume that the GNA found the excuse they were looking for. In the end, they only partially comply with Duval's wishes, as Thomas is assigned not to the generalship, the HGV Heavy Hand of Providence, but to the HGV Solstice. That ship was captained by the same Colonel Vassan Vandariel you've heard about briefly before. He was the war hero who had been the target of between three and eight assassination attempts since the end of the crisis of 2721, just six months earlier. We don't have any indication of the exact reasoning they used, or how they justified to Duval not putting Thomas on her ship and instead on the ship of her potential rival, but they did. The consensus among historians is that, most likely, the GNA pointed out that multiple attacks had been carried out against Vassan, while none had been detected against Duval. If bringing Thomas along was even partially motivated by his utility as a political shield against assassinations, would it not be better to instead shield the national hero who had already been repeatedly targeted? The GNA played their hand against the general well by playing it in front of the new Council of Hypatia. The general would get what she wanted. Saberhagen would be the PR catalyst tied to the expedition she led, and the council would get what they wanted, safety for the best tool they had against the growing influence of the general. It was, after all, 
by the general's hand they had come to govern the system just six months prior. They feared that the same heavy hand could tear them down whenever it pleased. Colonel Von Dariel was their best champion should Duval decide that she did not want to rule after all, given his prominence and popularity among the people of the system. Duval wouldn't try anything to remove him from the board with Thomas on the same ship, would she? Thus, the shadowed hand of politics that long had governed Hypatia continued to do so. Saberhagen was placed not at the heart, but at the head of their little crusade. They didn't know it yet, but this little crusade would become a large one. The Age of Silence was over, but the Age of Desolation soon would be born. June 3rd, 27-22. This is Thomas. I appeared on nine broadcast programs and gave 25 interviews and had at least 18 meet and greets with government officials in two weeks. That's more than the busiest month back at Earth. Everybody was so excited to see me. The gate opens on June 8th. That's five days? Quill, the GNA intelligence person who keeps me safe, came and met with me in person today. Told me how they noticed I wasn't doing super great with the whole gate operations thing. I had already talked to my therapist, no need to explain myself, but they wanted to move me somewhere else. Somewhere else I could do a lot more good. They want me to go on the mission. Said I was the heart and soul of Hypatia. I was the system. All of the people saw themselves in me. For the good of the new government, for the spirit of the people. Something like that. Quill said that she didn't want me to have to go, but the director gave the order and that the people need to see me go and be a part of things. To send off the old Hypatia, to bring in the new dawn, to represent their confidence. Something like that. I just sat there and tried to think, and she told me that Zane offered me more of a pension when I came back, and tried to talk me into some more. And I said, okay, sure. I've done this before. No problem. I've been assigned to a ship called Solstice for the expedition. It's a corvette, the littlest one going. One of the most capable in the system, they say. The command team is excellent. The hero of Hypatia will be looking out for me. They have the utmost confidence in it. I can have the utmost confidence. It means we will be the first to go through. The wormhole is most stable in the middle of the sequence, so you send the biggest ones then, and the smallest ones at the front and the back. Solstice is smallest. Goes first. So I'm going back to Earth. Myself. I won't be frozen this time. Get to be one of the few people in history to experience... Uh, my room here has a projector array in it, so Alice can be in a space with me. It's better than just talking to her through my phone. I asked her what she thought about the Get expedition, about if the Get would work, or if it was too old, or the other side was going to be strange. We were just sitting, cross-legged on the floor. But we were talking about the expedition, and she told me that things aren't quite as nice in Hypatia as they probably seem to me. In talking with her other friends, she gets the feeling that a lot of people are really scared right now. A lot of bad goings-on had come to lie not too long before they woke me up, and a lot of violence, and now there's a new government. It's just a really curious time, is what she said. She agreed with what Quill and the director said, that I could do a lot of good. People need something to believe in again. And, well, thanks to my connection to Hollis, they automatically believe in me. Five days, all of the supplies are flying in, and there are so many ships here at this little station. It must be half the system. 
They're all scattered in every direction, so no matter what window you look out of, you can see all these shining points of light from the reflections of the star off the ships. And the way that everyone talks about Earth, their eyes light up this hunger. They're all so excited for what technology they may be able to get their hands on. Nobody really knows what to expect. There's a lot of chatter about maybe having to fight something on the other side, and all sorts of diplomatic considerations. None of it really makes any sense to me. But it should be wonderful. The journey of a lifetime. I think I need to see Dr. Shannon again. I've felt sick for the past few weeks, ever since I stopped doing public appearances. Maybe I caught something. Twelve hours later, a shuttle docks with the HGV Solstice, and Thomas boards the ship that would carry him back to Earth. The first officer is there to meet him. Hey, Vassan. Turning on the recording, like you asked. The shuttle with Saberhagen just docked. His handler got here a few hours ago. First time I met her myself. She's competent with a computer, has experience as cavalry. I don't like her. Asks a lot of questions she should be smart enough not to ask. My professional take is that she has lots of experience with surveillance and tech, but is relatively new to organized intelligence. The only reason she's a handler is because half of their people decided to abandon ship before they could be prosecuted for anything they did on the job. That's my read of it all, at least. Let's hope Saberhagen is easier to deal with. Hello, Dr. Saberhagen? Uh, please, Thomas. But, yeah. Thomas, pleasure to meet you. My name is Tazella Lamoureux, commander in the Hypatian Guard and first officer of Solstice. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Follow me this way. We're going to pass a security checkpoint, and then I'll show you to your room. You have more security checkpoints than you have bathrooms. Need to use one. No, no, I'm good. I didn't fill my water bottle today, just because I knew we'd be going through security. This level of caution is generally unique to this mission and to this ship. We've had a few assassination attempts against our captain recently. Not that we don't trust our associates in the Hypatian Guard, but confidence takes time to build. I heard the captain single-handedly captured two ships. If you're referring to the ones he took during the crisis, the answer is hardly. He had marine teams at the end of the first, and all throughout the second, third, and fourth. Impressive. But Have you ever served as crew aboard a ship before? Briefly, yes. What did you do? Beach shift engineering. French monkeying, or calling shots. Sorry, I don't know the term. Line support? Maintenance calls? No, I watched the power systems. Some Are you qualified to do that? <laughs> I mean, that was 350 years ago. I'm sure it's all the same, right? In case you haven't noticed, this is an origin ship. Solstice came through the wormhole with you. Same power systems? Most of the major systems are the same. Really? We still can't duplicate the capacity of any of this technology. Most everything made by Earth before you left is still in service, and usually puts the Hypatian models to shame. Do you still have the blueprints? We have the schematics, sure, but we don't have the infrastructure nor the economics for anything like this. All of our best equipment are originals. Wow, dinosaurs rule once again, I see. That's good news for me. I guess so. We'll be expecting a lot, especially given your association with the patron saint of engineering. Hollis's face is engraved on more than half of their tools down there. Well? You were qualified then, so you're qualified now. 
We're going into a war zone, if the reports are accurate. And we don't have space for idle hands. Sure, of course. I'm happy to help, but is Quill okay with that? I heard she was going to be here too, and I've been reporting to her. She doesn't have much choice in the matter. While she's on my ship, she answers to me. This is the security station. Lieutenant Davis here will run the scanner. Could you put your bag here, please? Careful, there's a violin in there. Yes, sir. And if you'll unlock your phone and pass it to me, I'll get that cleared. Yeah. So, uh, Lieutenant, any secrets I should know about the ship? Nah, I'm newish too. Transferred from GNA a few months ago with the replacements. We lost some crew during the crisis and had some others elect not to join us when we joined the Guard. Ooh, a fellow GNA employee then. Former, yeah. Now we're all Hypatian Guard. Congratulations on getting out, sir. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go, sir. All clear. Thanks. Commander, you said you had a crew who didn't want to come on the trip of a lifetime? Many of us. One moment, please. Of course. We're going to assign you a new phone while you're here. Is there something wrong with that one? This one has been compromised. Exactly why we do our own checkpoints. Wow, um, I hardly put anything on there. Just a navigation app for Everest Station. Alice. Alice is a problem? She's a sophisticated surveillance system run by a very dangerous corporation. Her purpose is to gather personal information, manipulate the public, and make you feel good while she does it. Wow, but everyone talks to her. Not aboard my ship, no. Okay, I understand. Do you know if there's any way I could still talk to her without all the data problems, like use her just as a chatbot while we're going? It's just that Dr. Shannon with the GNA suggested I talk to her. Why? She doesn't treat me like I belong in a museum. You feel like she's your only friend. That's how she wants everybody to feel. And most people feel that way. In their weakest moments, she takes alcoholics on walks past her bars. She connects addicts with the dealers she controls. She directs criminals against her competitors. People who make themselves too much of a nuisance get two bullets in the forehead. Their body disappears, and the missing person report is marked as fully investigated, without any actual investigations being done. Alice is not welcome aboard. I'm sure you'll be able to make friends here on the crew. We've got a good group. Davis, destroy this before it can sink with anything. We'll get you a new phone. All right. The GNA should know better than to use Alice for anything. I'm sorry that this is the first you have to hear of any of that. Your quarters are this way. So, if I had to guess, people didn't want to join the guard with you because Colonel Vandariel has a lot of enemies. In this system, you try to do the right thing, it's guaranteed to get you in trouble with a lot of people. Sounds like the Earth I left. I guess some things are just human, huh? They've uh, got a lot of crazy stories about you all. You've heard the stories they have about you? Yeah, I went to the museum. How was it?
Alexandria Quill, June 4th, 2722. Deck 7 of the HGV Solstice. Yep, not Heavy Hand of Providence, Solstice. It's strange being aboard the ship I spent so long tracking and digging into, but hey, that's life. <laughs> I've got my quarters turned into a bit of a cyber command center. If there's a security incident of any kind, I'll be the first to know. Ship looks clean. I couldn't even find the basic malware that comes pre-installed nowadays, even if all of the compies are absolute messes on the back end. Spaghetti code for light years. But no bugs. Von Ariel runs a tight ship. Or rather, First Officer Lamoureux runs a tight ship. She's got a chokehold on the place. The crew all respect her a lot, even the ones that used to be our people. I don't know if she's just territorial or what. Like, she's really good at her job, but ugh, I am just irritated anytime she's on the same deck as me. It's like she has an aura of uptightishness. Reminds me of Marcan, but less overtly awkward and actually given the power they want. Saberhagen has settled in, ran his speech by me this morning, and the guy's good. He has a lot of public speaking experience. Like, a lot. When I asked him about it, he just shrugged and said that he did a bunch of community meetings. His family was very engaged in their congregation or something like that. The guy just totally deflected. He has a lot of high-tier presentation skills. Not like he gives speeches to scientists, no. Like, to the public. He's definitely been prepped by PR people before. But aside from that, he's just blastedly anxious. He's pacing most of his off-shift time, not sleeping, just wandering around his quarters or down the halls sometimes. Can't say I blame him. I got to listen in on a chat with the Cyprians yesterday. Their captain was composed, open, sincere, desperate. Either she's the actor of the century or she's being honest with us. We're their last bet. I get to see the data they've shared about the things we'll be fighting in about 40 hours. From what Killian says, it's pretty sparse and pretty scary. I'm no ship specialist, but if Killian says it's scary, the guy who called the Phobonautis an over-glorified rat blaster, then we may be in for a fun time. I've decided that I don't like ships. Stations are better. More spacious. More... stable. Less likely to get obliterated on the other side of a wormhole. Two weeks later, the day of the gate expedition was upon them. The days leading up to it were filled with drills upon drills, per the orders of Colonel Vasan Vondariel, captain of the HGV Solstice. Under the supervision of Commander Tessela Lamoro, the crew practiced booting up the ship, putting out fires, repelling borders, finding their nearest respirator in case of air loss, bulkhead sealing in case of hull breaches, microgravity ops, and search and rescue ops, among many other things. Even though only eight ships could go through the gate, the entire gathered fleet was in motion, hauling in people and provisions from every reach of Hypatia. The whole system had mobilized for this effort. Thomas Saberhagen made three additional public appearances through this time. One on his own, one with General Duval, 
and one with Director Zane as the Hypatian Guard and the GNA attempted to rally public favour for the expedition. Publicly, this was a rescue mission. The cry in the dark from the people of Cyprian had reached the ears of the noble heroes of Hypatia. They, noble souls that they were, and fresh off their victory against evil and corruption within their own system, now turned to the scattered remnant of humanity, ready to engage for the first time in centuries and establish themselves as righteous crusaders on the stage of the diaspora. Privately, however, the mission had different goals. Judging from the internal records of the GNA and the Hypatian Guard, this was first and foremost a propaganda move. They thought that the prestige of victory and heroism a rescue mission would present would cement their legitimacy in the hearts of the people. Unfortunately for them, this was undercut as details about the mission were leaked to the public by anonymous sources. One particularly problematic leak for the GNA was a set of internal correspondences suggesting that the Hypatians had no way to really confirm what the Cyprians were saying. Prominent reporters publicly questioned the wisdom of sending many of their best ships and most important figureheads into an unverifiable situation. Plus, some critics reasoned, is this really the best time to be trying to reconnect with Earth? Their new government was less than a year old, should they not see that their own house is put in order first? Thomas's three extra public appearances were made to counter this negative publicity. Additionally, the GNA released statements from the Cyprian commander regarding the impending expiration of this possibility and the technological, commercial, and cultural opportunities that awaited them back at Earth. The flagship of the first expeditionary fleet, commanded by General Joan Duval, was the HGV Heavy Hand of Providence, a Hypatian-made battlecruiser. Half of its 200 fighters were replaced with shuttles to carry extra fuel, supplies, and munitions to the rest of the fleet. The second vessel was the HGV Esprit de Corps, an Earth-made cruiser. This ship was only a few years younger than Thomas Saberhagen. It traveled with him on the Ark Lyravea. The Earth-made ships still vastly outmatched their Hypatian counterparts, cubic meter per cubic meter. Its commander, Colonel Tarsus Amaya, had never been defeated in any training exercises or mock battles throughout their 30-year career. They had never dealt with large-scale ship combat in real life, however. The only opportunity for that in the last generation happened between the Wickinger Mercenary Company and the ESS Phobonautis, who received support from the Symphony of Crows. Thus, the only command-level officers to participate in real-life combat and survive were Vassan von Dariel and Cohen Zulnara. Colonel Cohen Zulnara, the slyest officer of the new Hypatian Guard, had the energy of a retired accountant and the diabolical cunning of a venture capitalist. Her ship was third in the fleet, a destroyer named the HGV Longstreet. In honor of the commander who turned the tide of the crisis of 2721 and gave their life to see it through its culmination. The fourth ship was the HGV Centurion, an Earth-made missile cruiser, commanded by Captain Rash Blaudane. Centurion was outfitted with a backup spook array. Should anything happen to Heavy Hand of Providence, the Centurion would be in charge of communicating with Hypatia. Its fighters were redistributed to the other ships to allow it to serve exclusively as a missile platform. Ship number five was the HGV Last Ray of Twilight, commanded by Colonel Hessian Pochtali. The Hypatian Guard was replacing its outdated weapon and sensor systems up to the very last minute. 
When LPL manufacturers couldn't deliver the new equipment in time, General Duval decided to outfit it with systems cannibalized from other ships in the fleet. Internally, she was widely criticized for this decision, but in the long run, the extra armor on the last ray meant that fewer people would die on the first expedition. Ships six and seven were the twin sisters, two small frigates, designed to wink the enemy fighters out of existence with a soft clicking sound. The Hypatian-made ships, known as the HGV Frosted Veil and the HGV Rainwalker, felt small and insignificant in the face of the company they kept. Their role was to protect the larger ships from the strike forces of whatever evils they would encounter on the other side of the gate. Finally, ship number eight was HGV Solstice, one of the only military-grade ships in the system not to be renamed with the formation of the new government. It had been featured prominently in the news during the crisis of 2721, and thus became a cornerstone of post-revolutionary mythology. Its commanding officer, Colonel Vassan van Dariel, was a legendary figure in his own right as well. It was chosen as the final ship in the expedition fleet, primarily because of its cultural significance, but also because General Duval wanted to make sure she could keep a close eye on van Dariel. Couldn't risk him undermining her while she was away. Duval didn't want to come home to hear that the people had been convinced to declare him their supreme leader. Solstice had 65 crew members and two passengers, Thomas Saberhagen and his handler, Alexandria Quill. Solstice hung in space next to the gate for a total of 27 days. Periodically, it would light itself up, firing thrusters, diverting power to its railguns, reorienting itself. Its movements were graceful, except for when they weren't. Its positioning exact, except for when it wasn't. Tessella ran drills again and again and again and again until the crew was as close to perfect as humanly possible. Most importantly, she drilled the crew on an emergency boot sequence until they had more than mastered it. Their ship would need to be totally shut down to traverse the wormhole. They would face the teeth of the void and the dark without power and without the ability to help themselves should the Ma decide to snap shut. The following message was sent to Saberhagen via the GNA secure messaging server the night before the gate opened. As long as he was near the gate station, he could theoretically access it from any device, but we don't know if he saw it or not. Hey Thomas, it's me. I gathered that the fancy ship you're on confiscated your phone and won't let you connect with me again. It's not a good idea to argue with the Hypatian guard about these things. So there's not a whole lot I can do. I wish I could be there with you. Just don't believe everything they tell you about me, okay? Their first officer, the woman who met you at the shuttle, she has an agenda against me. Her history is complicated, but just be careful around her, all right? Don't want to make the command crew upset, you know? Good luck, Thomas. Remember that you're doing something really remarkable for all the people in Hypatia. I suppose for 
all of humanity, if we're really going to help some of the other descendants of the Celestial Horizons program. People like us. I'm quite proud of you. And I know you'll do a wonderful job. <laughs> that reminds me. I do have some wonderful news, though. Even though I can't be there with you on the solstice, I will be on several of the other ships in the expeditionary fleet. I help run the Hapatian-made vessels, so if you ever need me, you'll be able to find me. But if we don't get the chance to talk on the other side, then we'll certainly catch up when we get back. Bye. Before we continue, we need to talk about what the Hypatians expected to find on the other side of the gate. For three centuries, the Earth has effectively been silent. The only method of communication between the two distant systems was the spook array. It was an irreplaceable piece of technology. Two component parts linked by entangled particles, one in Hypatia, the other in the Origin system. Individuals on either end could instantaneously communicate with each other, as opposed to waiting for millennia for their signals to cross the gap between them. During the Age of Silence, the side of the array in the Origin system had been possessed by an unknown entity with malicious intent. It spent three centuries stretching itself across the void, tapping at the window panes of Hypatia, begging to be let inside for unknowable purposes. The GNA, who managed Spook and the Gate, fell into a routine with the mysterious entity back at Earth. Once a year, for 250 years, they would talk to it. As expected, it tried to steer every conversation into convincing them to accept a data transfer. The few times they tried to accept it, the transfer nearly destroyed their computer systems before they could cut it off. So they operated under the assumption that nothing it ever said was true. The original administrators of the GNA made a bold decision. The people could not know that mission control had gone silent. The Ark had been plagued with panic and unrest for lesser things. How would the public respond to the fact that they had seemingly been abandoned? The first colonists planned on returning home. To take that away from them could spell a human disaster of mission-ending proportions. Besides, the GNA directors told themselves, what if things would remedy themselves by this time next year? So they came up with a temporary lie that there were problems with the gate. Its opening would have to be delayed by at least another 12 months, maybe more. We'll see. And so the hope of the Hypatians died little by little, rather than all at once. The lie became profitable to continue, however. The GNA initially assembled a temporary team tasked with imagining messages from Earth so that nobody would suspect what had really happened. But as the years turned on, the ability to dictate the voice of the rest of humanity became something they weren't eager to give up. This lie is probably the dirt that Quill had been talking about earlier. General Duval, as the catalyst for their recent revolution, definitely would have been brought in the loop regarding the GNA's creative treatment of communications. She easily could have held threats of revealing what they had been doing over the director of the GNA. So the lie continued from the day that the real mission control went silent until the day that the tiny, broken Cyprian fleet came calling. The message from Captain Concio offered them a boogeyman to blame the silence on. Namely, 
whoever or whatever the Cyprians had to liberate the Earthside gate from. The truth about the way the GNA had fabricated messages from Earth was not publicly revealed as part of the announcement of the Cyprian message. All they said was that they had been misled for generations, but now a power change at Earth revealed that they could have brought us home all along. This was also intended to raise sympathy for the movement. After all, Hypatia had just had a change of power as well. Naturally, the best thing to do was to help the kindred souls back at Earth who sought the same thing. So, riding a wave of heroism and duty, and on the backs of half-truths and vague promises, the first Hypatian expeditionary fleet prepared for war. Here are some of the questions Director Zane of the Hypatian GNA asked of Captain Isra Concio of the Third Fleet of Cyprian. This back and forth occurred across many different conversations, as soon as Concio's identity could be confirmed. What happened to your Ark, the Ark Simodus, after you went through your wormhole? We lost contact with Earth before we arrived at Cyprian, LHS 1140. We built our gate, but could not open it. After several years of silence, somebody used our Earthside spook array to entice us to download files of theirs. It was a trap. The files contained dangerous malware. They contained this up until 53 years ago when a small group of strangers liberated the Earthside Gate Station and brought us through. We have attempted to establish ourselves in the Origin System ever since. Who brought you through the gate? Remnants from the Arg Viralimus, colonists of Ross 128, the Democritus mission of the Celestial Horizons program. What is their current status? As far as we are aware, they are no more. The last of their people died among us after opening the way. They were extinguished by the Venati, both at Earth and at their system of Democritus. Who or what are the Venati? Venati is our name for the entities that now hold dominion over the origin system. Their other names, as we were told by the Democritans, are Liravander. They who stalk the void, revenants, and the lapsed. They who stalk the void are unpredictable and incomprehensible. Their ships are more advanced than ours. Their full capabilities are unknown. It is they who controlled this spook array before we liberated it. They seem to have only two goals. Destroy anything that lives and allow no harm to come to the gate network. Never had we had successful communication with them. Two of their vessels are now on their way to this gate. You will have three days to prepare yourselves once you've journeyed through before they will be upon us. What do you know of their origin? All we know is that you will encounter more of them the deeper into the system you travel. Wreckage from their ship still lingers near the gate, left over from a conflict between the original defenders of this station and the Nazi forces nearly three centuries ago. They are at least that old. How much of the system have your people explored? We have remained entirely within our small corner of the trans-Neptunian region among the Kuiper Belt and beyond. Neptune itself is completely dominated by the Nazi ships and it is an obstacle we have dared not confront. Which other missions have returned to Earth? We do not know for sure. 
Of the nine successful missions, we only have had direct contact with those from the Ark Viralimus, and they are no more. We have observed several other non-Venati ships moving through the system, but, but we have had no formal contact. Is this all a fabrication? Do you lie and murder just as we do? What should we expect from the Venati? These two that now approach are small, old Vanze. Do not underestimate them. Their range is longer than ours. Their weapons travel faster than ours. They have living weapons, arachnid s terror that attempt to board your vessel and tear it apart from the inside. They take no prisoners. They claim no spoils, spare no ships. They hunt and destroy and do nothing else. They are not but hatred and madness. Please, do not underestimate them. What makes you think that we can succeed where you did not? Are they even real? Or are they simply a fabrication of yours? What of your people back at Cyprian, on the other side of your gate? We have many vessels of war, and many people. We have a new heiress of the Charter, our most important leader and the center of our government. Much of our fleets were withdrawn to Cyprian to ensure that she assumed power correctly. This left us vulnerable to the surprise attacked by the Venati. Now, she is counting on us to extend her reach once more into the Source system. What is your relationship with your original charter? We have long since departed from it and invoked our natural right of self-governance. Now, we are a unified nation led by a representative council, the Council of Hypatia. We look forward to meeting you in person. We hope this signals a new era defined by cooperation and friendship between our people. We eagerly await your arrival. May we meet in the warm light of Sol before the Void claims us all. Attention, a crew of Solstice and passengers. This is your captain speaking. A little bit of housekeeping for you as we're making final preparations for the gate transit and operation start in the morning. First, this is a first-name basis ship. When we're in the public eye, please address each other by a rank and surname, but when we're in the thick of things here, I don't want to waste your time trying to think of people's appropriate titles. If you ever need anything from me, just give me a call and say, Vassan, I've got a problem and we'll figure it out, yeah? Second, I wanted to apologize to you all for the danger that associating with me has put you in. I learned about yet another attempt on my life just a few days ago. Hired guns out of Robinsroth was. High-tier equipment, lots of access. Had some explosives planned to welcome me in the docking bay the last time we refueled. They think it's tied to the renegade commissioners we failed to round up. Those of you who have been with me since we ran with the Symphony of Crows will know that a few unhappy Hypatians are nothing new. But nowadays, they seem keen on spending a whole lot of money to ruin my day. I think you all should be flattered. I haven't done anything notable on my own. This new attention is the result of how wonderfully, capably, you have performed again and again and again. They don't hate me for my face. No, they hate me because of what we have done together. 
As our first officer, Tessela, is always reminding me, this is just how history turns. You do something good, you make yourself useful, and the people in charge start to get nervous. They want you good, but not too good. They want you liked, but not popular. They want you with uh, innovative ideas, but not when it comes to anything of theirs. No, it's just power, 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 power. They want pawns. Well, we're no pawns. <laughs> but I guess I am a rook sometimes, huh? What a dumb name for a bird. Should have gone to something different. Blast it all. Well, the, uh, the last thing I wanted to say before our mission tomorrow is that I've been thinking a lot about why we've been doing this. You see, somebody in one of my meetings suggested something that made me downright sick. Something about being mostly honest with the public or being selective about how much of the truth we choose to share. Tessella had to stop me from throwing my chair across the table. But I opened my big mouth and talked to them about how we're not going to do things the way the old commission did. We don't play like that. The people of Hypatia trust us because we've been trying to do things right. We can never betray that. They joined in our little revolution because we made promises. We can't want those back now that we got the fresh start we were hoping for. And then, would you believe it, this there meeting, then somebody very notable and very important who shall not be named said, we know what the branding is, Von Dariel. So I wanted to make something clear to you all that I tried to make clear in that meeting to those people there. We didn't have any branding when this all started. It wasn't branding when we signed up for this. It was the truth. If anybody decides that they want to walk that back and make it more of a Brandon deal, then they'd best believe we'll be raising hell about it. That's what we're good at here on Solstice. So our mission begins tomorrow. We're going to help a lot of people. This Cyprian fleet came asking for aid and we're gonna answer them. It's the right thing to do and as long as we're trying to do that, I don't see how we can go wrong. The whole system is counting on us to represent them to the rest of humanity. They've trusted us with the man who represents the soul of Hypatia, Thomas Saberheat. And why? Well, as far as I'm concerned, it's because we're the best that Hypatia has to offer. I expect each of us to act like it, and I have the utmost confidence that we will. So as you attend to your duties and prepare for the mission tomorrow, good luck. Godspeed. Thomas lie awake in the bowels of Solstice, listening to the air cyclists spin, turn over, and then spin again. Yesterday had been spent maneuvering into position, attaching the gate's matrix, hearing the ship's support beam shudder and groan as they responded to the thrusters. Every motion reverberated up and down its metal arteries, every action amplified by the corridors and causeways. The most alarming moment was when the gate's docking clamps, being used for the first time, latched onto the ship like the jaws of an ancient beast. The way they dug into the ship, threatening to flatten it, caused almost everything to shake. Dust, made almost exclusively from the dead skin cells and loose strands of hair around, kicked up from where it otherwise had laid dormant. Solstice was a fine vessel, 
but here, attached to the gate, Thomas was really feeling its age. And the image of the gate to the wormhole it would give birth to consumed his mind and drenched his whole body in sweat. Wake-up call has been pinged out, Captain. Gate transit in four hours. I recall it being very quiet. Just more nervous energy than flying into battle. Seemed to smother the crew. Even our cook couldn't get more than a nervous chuckle out of anybody. All eight of the ships were physically attached to the gate, which mechanically controlled their velocities and timings for entry into the wormhole. The gate would only sustain the singularity for a total of 3 minutes and 43 seconds, so there was no room for error. The GNA actually made all of their entry calculations publicly available, with an invitation for everybody to check their In the work. weeks leading up to this moment, Every member of the expeditionary force had been given the opportunity to update their wills and have them notarized. Those who didn't wished they did as the gate started to move. Per the captain's invitation, I joined command crew on the bridge for the transit. He told me that they'd feel a lot better with an experienced wormhole traveler on hand. I reminded him that I was frozen solid the last time I went through one, but he said that didn't matter. I'm still the most experienced person for a thousand light years in any direction. I couldn't argue with that. So I waited and watched with them. They were all so antsy. Nothing to do but wait for the gate to execute the sequences we had laid out for it. Just had to sit and hope it worked. I don't know what it looked like from your position, Director, but from inside the thing? The rings just swung around us and everything would shake anytime a new section engaged. I was convinced we were gonna die. I know I'm not qualified to say this, but I think Hollis would be glad that you're going back home today. That we're completing the mission. The countdown begins. One hour till transit. The ships are slowly brought into position, each equidistant around a central point where the wormhole would be created. The worst part about it was that there's nothing to do but wait and watch this massive machine move and hope it'll work correctly after doing nothing for a long time. At the 40 minutes to transit mark, all ships were in final positions. Thomas had told them that the wormhole would be the most stable in the middle of the almost four minutes it existed. The largest ship would go in then, and all the rest would fit in around it. Largest near the middle, smallest at the beginning and the end. Vassan von Dariel volunteered his ship to go through first. I told the crew, well, if it's gonna get all blasted to hell anyway, might as well get it over with. I passed along our final check-in before we started the shutdown sequence. The other ships were all signing off at around the same time. I wondered how many of the people on this expedition would be dead before we came home. At 30 minutes to entry, the Hypatian Operations Team gives the final sign-off to the Origin System Operations Team. Origin then needs to send a confirmation of data sync within two minutes, or the whole mission is aborted. Once that confirmation is received, all communications between both sides stops as the spook array is used to instantaneously transmit over 24,000 data points between the gates, keeping them in perfect sync and checking that it matches on both sides. If the system detects a mismatch between the two outside of a hundredth of a single percentage point, the mission is aborted. During the 28 minutes left until transit, all the human operators at either end can do is sit and watch their displays while the gates establish a wormhole. Two rooms full of scientists, none of whom can quite believe what they're doing. 
staring in near-complete silence as a sea of monitors rolled before them. Almost a thousand light-years separated these rooms, but in a few agonizing minutes, they would become as one. A long embrace between the past and the present, and the present and the future. The readouts from Spook chime with a steady pulse. The heartbeat of Hypatia. The worst part was the waiting. They wouldn't let me be up on the bridge, so I strapped in with the rest of the crew. The whole ship had to be shut down to eliminate any risk of messing up the wormhole, yada yada yada, so when we only had like a few minutes left, we just sat in the dark, buckled into our seats because Art Grav was off. Never heard the crew be that quiet. Twelve of us in that room, staring silently into the dark. When we had only two minutes left, Commander Lamoureux said that we had crossed the point of no return. The insertion rings had engaged, we were accelerating towards the center. I wish we could have seen it, the wormhole. I've dealt with them for years, but never would see one from the inside. 30 seconds remaining. A tiny dark star is born at the heart of the Eldritch machine. To those who have caught a glimpse from the outside, space had warped around it, showing them another one of its faces as if through a broken mirror. It manifests itself so serenely spinning around a singular point. Without any additional ceremony or flair, the gate with its titanic dark rings plunges the ships towards the dark star, as if trying to puncture its core. Only those aboard the ships could tell that the singularity was anything other than serene. It spun with enough force to tear a hole in the fabric of space. How did it do this? Even Thomas only understood scattered pieces of the whole. It had been created by geniuses with resources and capacities far beyond what these fragmented descendants could imagine. Now, those creators were long dead. Time spares no memory, and history is made in its interpretation. What did I think about well, what we had to do on the other side? I forced myself to come to terms with my own mortality, waiting for the transit to happen. At least, when they published the casualty list, my mom wouldn't know that anything had happened to me. Well, no. No matter what, she'd have no idea what I changed my surname to. You think people are just as evil over there as they are over here? Which of us did they remember over there? My father? Hollis? Myself? <laughs> this is the most remarkable day in the most curious of times. I get the feeling that we're going to find so many wonderful things over there. Hypatia's been trying to pretend that it functions, but without this expedition forcing it to stay together, it'll completely fall to pieces. We would be the first ones to the other side. So I sat there running our moot sequence over and over in my mind. We had the best crew in Hypatia that day, and, and based on Tass's drills, we could boot to functional in just under 10 minutes in full operation in 25. But that would be 10 minutes we'd be sitting blind. 25 minutes we couldn't do much about anything, whatever we saw. The slowest ship in the fleet was Heavy Hand, which got to functional in an hour 14. So that means we'd need to protect a large, stationary, and totally defenseless target from T plus 25 to at least T plus 74. And that's a long time when you're in hostile territory. A very long time. Do you think we'll do to Earth what we've done to Hypatia? Those Cyprians had better be grateful for the danger we're putting ourselves into. If you ask me, we sent too many of our best pieces into this. But you don't ask me. Just 
think of all the progress they've made in the last three centuries. What wonders do you think we'll find there? I don't think the wormhole's going to work. Yeah, I've checked the numbers, but if hundreds of people smarter and more experienced than me can check it and still have it go wrong... But then the ship started shaking. Shaking real bad. All ship separating into chunks with us still inside of it. Must have been just as we were about to enter the wormhole. That was it. We were done. Or do you think we can make something more of this opportunity? I got really mad for a moment. At the GNA, at God, at everything and everyone for the shaken. We were off course, something was wrong, gate was too old, I don't know. The transit was gonna fail. I couldn't bring my people home. Captain Concio would be left without options to get back to her people and... And then my thoughts got worse. Maybe Concio never existed in the first place. Maybe this was all a ploy to wipe us off the map and get me out of their hair. Certainly could have been a real convenient tragedy. At least if we all died going through the wormhole, you wouldn't have to worry about Duval and Vondariel not playing nice. Honestly, it wasn't comforting thinking about how many people would prefer it if all of us just disappeared right then. I've been in firefights, hunted across the system, and on the wrong end of too many railguns to count. Yet, this feels especially dangerous. Especially fatal. If this job is my last, could I be okay with that? Have I done enough? Good luck, Thomas. We'll all be rooting for you. I'll see you on the other side of this rabbit hole. But that moment passed. Not that the shaking didn't stop. The, the ship still felt like it was in a blender, but the anger went away. Regardless of how the dice rolled, regardless of how anybody else played the game, I was there in that ship with those people because I wanted to try and help somebody. And that was enough for me. Let everyone else send themselves to hell for whatever it was they'd do. I just needed to remember my own blasted speech. And if I'm honest, when we entered the wormhole and everything felt like it was going to fall apart, I got more scared than I had ever been before. Not because it felt like the ship was going to crumble beneath me, but because part of me secretly wished that it would. I wished that the ship would break apart and none of it would matter anymore. And thus, the first Hypatian expeditionary fleet, under the command of General Duval, returned to the home they had long left behind. The Age of Silence had ended. This expedition is regarded by many historians as the turning point in Hypatian history. Before this, they were a people, now they would become a nation. Before this, they had been isolated from the rest of humankind. Now they were on course to become the most influential player on the stage of human history. Perhaps it would have been better for them if the mission had failed before it began. You see, knowledge is a bitter fruit, and the weight of history comes to crush those who possess it. And thus, Thomas and the people of Ipatia return to their flame-swept Eden unaware that their living shadow had come to possess it while they'd been away. <laughs> oh, would they soon learn. Desolate Eden continues in part two.